1: Shocking revelations from the Emily Demick case left not one, but two people heartbroken. The trial of Robert Wood had the public gallery filled with actors, writers, and artists jostling for reserved seats, while members of the general public who had been following the case closely flooded the streets outside. On the terrible night of September 11, 1907, Emily Demick was killed in her sleep by a man she knew well. The home that she shared with Bertram Shaw was ransacked. In her prized possession, a collection of postcards from around the world was strewn about the bedroom floor. It looked like someone had made an effort to find a particular one and left unsuccessful. On September 12th, Bertram's mother and Bert was greeted by a horrific scene of Emily, with her throat slashed to the bone, lying in their shared bed. The news picked up on the story and sensationalized it, painting the picture of a dark London after hours, making an example of what happens to women like Emily. Caught in the middle of this was Bert, who couldn't bear to live in the Camden apartment any longer, and packed up to leave a key piece of evidence fell from the folds of Emily's clothes as he was packing. The postcard. The key to the whole case. It was written by none other than Robert Wood, a popular artist who liked to keep a low profile as he willed his time away with sex workers and alcohol. When the postcard made it to the pages of the morning paper, one woman, Ruby Young, the same age as Emily Dimmick, came forward and revealed the handwriting was of Robert William Thomas Cavers Wood, a man she dated in 1905 before learning of his adultery quite possibly with Emily herself. On October 4th, 1907, the police made their first and only arrest in the late evening as Robert Wood left his workplace. When questioned, he stuck to the story he had been telling for a while, that he had spent the last several Mondays and Wednesdays with Ruby Young, whom he was in love with. When asked about the postcard, he supplied the same story he had given Ruby, that he had scribbled something on a postcard for Emily one random night at the Eagle and forgot about it the next day. It was a passing moment, nothing more. With enough evidence to take things forward, Emily Dimmock's case made it to trial. Robert Wood was represented by Edward Marshall Hall, QC, a man well acquainted with criminal courts and nearly worshipped as a celebrity. As Wood sat in the Old Bailey Court, there was an almost cocky sense of confidence that he couldn't be touched. The court fell silent, as the prosecution made the first statement in the trial of the Crown versus Robert Wood. In that statement, the prosecution promised to expose Robert Wood for having a habit of lying, not only to the police, but also to the supposed love of his life, Ruby Young. They had a strong case, but as they ran through their witnesses and made claims, Edward Hall remained unbothered. He was sure of Robert's innocence. And after the prosecution was done, Hall took the floor, calling his first witness, the doctor who examined Emily's body. The doctor reiterated how Emily had been killed. There were no signs of struggle. Therefore, it's logical she had been asleep and knew the killer. She had also had sex a little while before her death. When it came to the murder weapon, two razors had been found on the crime scene, but there wasn't a single drop of blood in the crevices of the blades. Put simply, they didn't have a murder weapon. Now, according to Wood, he had returned home from dinner with Ruby at around midnight If Emily Demick was, in fact, killed around four in the morning, that would still leave Wood with several hours to meet Demick, sleep with her, then kill her and ransack her apartment. At least, this was the case the prosecution would have made. But Edward Hall was just getting started. Robert Wood's father and brother appeared on the stand to give their testimonies confirming that he had come home at midnight. This information was accepted by the judge and jury. Given the Woods family reputation in London, it's likely the jury believed their word. When it was the prosecution's turn to take the floor, they paraded every single person who had ever seen Robert with Emily, and that mainly meant patrons of the Eagle Pub and a brothel owner who confirmed he had known Woods for years. The idea? To debunk the claim that Robert never even knew Emily. If they could prove Robert had been lying, it would be easy to convince the jury that he had lied about killing Emily too. While this was a good strategy in theory, there was one problem. All of these witnesses, in some way or another, were connected to sex work the jury was already prejudiced against them due to this fact and the media's portrayal of sex workers and the men who meet them hadn't helped much either it seemed the jury had already made up its mind and edward hall was going to take full advantage of that one by one hall went after the character and moral values of each witness the prosecution brought insinuating that half of them lied for a living, while the other half hid their true selves by sulking around brothels each night. In our ongoing journey dissecting real-life mysteries, I've found a perfect companion in a game that not only captivates but also lets me step into the shoes of a detective in the glamorous 1920s, June's Journey, as someone who's delved deep into the game playing through the intriguing scenarios of June Parker, I can personally vouch for its immersive experience. In June's journey, you unravel the mystery of June Parker's sister's murder. Each scene is a visual and intellectual puzzle, with hidden clues scattered across beautifully crafted locations. What I've enjoyed most is the depths of the storyline. Each chapter peels back a layer of this thrilling narrative, revealing danger, mystery, and romance. Besides the allure of solving mysteries, The game lets you design and customize your own luxurious estate island. Building my estate has been a delightful escape, offering a creative break from the intense narratives we tackle on the podcast. For those of you who enjoy the blend of history, mystery, and narrative depth we explore on this podcast, June's Journey offers a chance to live out those elements in a beautifully interactive setting. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android, and join me in this ongoing quest to uncover hidden truths and solve complex mysteries. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery holding up? Mine's been draining lately, consumed by the darkness of true crime tales. But amidst the shadows, it's crucial to remember to prioritize our mental well-being. Just like unraveling a twisted plot, Therapy helps me untangle the knots in my mind. It's about gaining clarity, finding strength, and reclaiming control over your life. Considering therapy, BetterHelp offers a lifeline in the darkness. It's completely online, giving you the freedom to seek help in your own terms. And with a simple questionnaire, you can be matched with a licensed therapist who understands your unique struggles. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Foul today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Foul, F-O-U-L. Hall even went after Bertram, who gave a heart-wrenching account of their love and how they moved in together. Hall accused Bertram of either being so foolish he couldn't see the truth under his nose, or outright ignorant. It was undoubtedly an ugly fight. It was obvious Robert had gone to extreme lengths to ensure he had an alibi for the evening of September 11th. Edward Hall's defense was that if Wood was guilty and knew Emily was dead, why would he try to set up an alibi eight or nine hours before he needed one? Though forensic science really wasn't a thing at the time, cops had determined Emily died sometime early morning around 4 a.m. on September 12th, while Wood had set up his alibi for the night of September 11th. The case carried on like this until mid-December 1907, when both sides finally rested. The jury was dismissed to discuss the case and return with a verdict. In the halls of Old Bailey, Robert Wood paced up and down impatiently. Though he began this journey confidently, one never knew when the journey could flip. Though he began this trial feeling invincible... As the possibility of an execution hung on his head, the cocky attitude left him. His lies could be found out. All his efforts to cover up the night of September 11th might have actually planted a giant red flag on him. All he could do was wait. The jury was dismissed at 8.45 in the morning. At 9 a.m., they had their decision. The street outside Old Bailey was just as breathless with anticipation as the people lucky enough to be sitting inside. The fact that it took only 15 minutes seemed like the answer was obvious. As the jury filled in and took their seats, Robert's heart set in his throat. A few moments later, the jury delivered their verdict Not guilty. There were mixed feelings all around. Those who knew Emily, or had at some point been in her shoes, felt defeated. It seemed inevitable that London would side with the affluent and be suspicious of what they didn't understand. And those on the street who had been successfully turned against the likes of Emily Dimmock, Ruby Young, and the men who liaised with them, erupt in cheers as robert wood left old bailey as time passed robert went on to have a successful career as an artist and a peaceful life with his family emily demick soon became nothing but a story ruby young however was forced to leave london and her identity after being ridiculed by the press After the release of Robert Wood, the police made no effort to arrest anyone else or further investigate the murder. It came to a natural stopping point, and no one else ever found guilty. But that didn't altogether kill the theories. Some believed it might have been Jack the Ripper, a notorious killer known to murder and mutilate sex workers in the London area. Among the suspects for being Jack the Ripper was Walter Sickert, who had painted a series of pictures called the Camden Town Murders. These were based on the Ripper's victims. Sickert lived close enough to Camden at Number 6 Mornington Crescent, and the town's dark secrets fascinated him. It's not possible that he wouldn't know of Emily's murder. This theory, however, was soon debunked. Sickert had no connection whatsoever with Emily Dimmick. He didn't know her during her Rising Sundays, or after moving in with Bert Shaw. There was also the fact that Jack the Ripper's last victim was found in 1881, 16 years before Emily's murder. It's unlikely that the Ripper would take a hiatus and return after a decade and a half later. To start killing again. The truth of the entire story can only be known by Robert Wood himself. He may have lied about his relationships with Emily and Ruby and tried to cover up the events of September 11th. But when you see all the facts and put them together, the puzzle comes together and provides a clearer picture. But what do you think? Was Robert truly innocent? Or was it the prejudice of the jury that caused Emily's killer to roam the streets free? This concludes the series on the Camden Town Murders. I'd like to hear your thoughts. You can join me on Facebook or Instagram, and I'll see you there.